0: Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. You can be seated right where you are, church. Be seated right where you, that's such a weird phrase. I've been hearing myself say, like where else would you be seated? Go be seated on the other side of the room. It's, I don't know. It's just things that we say. My, okay, my goal for today is to keep myself slowed down because last week we started at the, um, in the book of Mark, chapter two, in the first part, talking about the story of this man who was lame in his legs and his friends carried him and brought him to Jesus. And now we're going to the next section of Mark two. And I want you to know I am so excited about it if it comes out like i've heard it in my head it's gonna be awesome we have to trust the holy spirit for that part but i want you to know i'm just super excited about what i think god wants to do in this place today i think he uh, has something that he wants to speak to us as a church you guys ready all right let's go i've been thinking about the thank you david that's awesome I've been thinking about this weird microcosm social experiment that happens though that many of you hopefully have also experienced. And this weird space is the space of being in an elevator. Have you ever been inside of an elevator with a lot of other people? It is the weirdest social space that you have ever been in in your entire life. All kinds of bizarre things happen inside of an elevator because nobody really knows what we're supposed to do in an elevator. You have this weird experience where the doors open and you step in and there are these people that you've never met before in your life and all of a sudden you're facing them and so then you're like, well, this seems weird. I don't want to do this anymore. So you turn around, but now you're awkwardly close to people, like touching them that you've never met in your life. Nobody knows what to do. So everybody just kind of starts turning awkwardly and like looking down at their feet or like admiring the, like, the details of the ceiling. Oh, they've really done something nice in this elevator, haven't they? Or you have that one very bizarre person who thinks that the next 60 seconds is their opportunity to meet a new bestie. Tracy is this person. Phil is this person. The extroverts in your life are these people. They're like, hey, what are you doing at the hotel? Have you guys been here? And you're like, no, we're not. We're not becoming buddies in the elevator right now. What are you doing? It's just so awkward. You're trapped in this space with these people that you don't know. I have a friend that finds the whole experience so overwhelming that they just pretend they're asleep every time they get in an elevator. True story. They walk into an elevator, they get in the corner, and they just go. (laughs) Until they get to their floor, and then they're like, see you guys. Just to avoid the awkwardness of it. And you know when it gets super awkward in the elevator? When the elevator is full and Lord help you if the elevator is full from a top floor and you have to go all the way down every single level and then you have this terrible experience where you get to a floor, And the door's open, and everybody in all of the elevator goes, we're full. And then you have all of these again. Everyone starts playing their roles, because then you're going to have the person that's like, I think I can fit. I think I can fit. And they squeeze in. Everybody's like, we're full. We're full. And now now you are literally touching people that you have never met before in your entire life. And then there's the guy in the corner who's pushing the close button. Have you experienced this? Because someone told him that if you keep pushing the close button, it'll just make it go all the way. It's not true but it makes him feel like he's an active participant in the elevator process that is programmed to stop and open and stop. And all of a sudden we're assigning, it's almost as awkward as the second most awkward experience that you will have in your social situations, which is if you go to a party where there is not enough food. Right? This gets really awkward as well when you start looking around and maybe more people showed up than they thought were coming or maybe they just don't know how to do the math and maybe they didn't know that I can eat more food than my body gives me credit for. I can really put it away but all of a sudden you start looking at the buffet and you start looking at the room and everyone kind of starts doing that silent math that we are not going to have enough food and you can kind of subtly feel the awkward tension and again everyone starts going to their roles right the one joker is like well i am not missing out and they get straight to the front of the line they're like we're gonna run out of food and i am making sure we get our plate and then there's the mom who's going through the line with her kids and she's like cut the sandwich in the sandwich split, you guys are sharing. And the kids, like, I'm hungry, mom, but I'm hungry. She's like, split it in half. Worship, there's not enough but she's trying to be like considerate of the host and kind of like break it down. And there's the really conscientious person who's just lingering in the back to let everyone, they're so self-sacrificing. They're letting everyone out. They're like, oh, I ate. I ate before I came. They did not eat before they came. They just feel bad for you. But they're so kind and there's this awkwardness because everyone is trying to evaluate in both situations, is there enough? Is there enough room for all of us? Is there enough food for all of us? And all of the sudden, our scarcity triggers start rising up about enough space for everyone to fit, enough food for everyone to eat. Is there enough for all of us? Is there enough space for all of us? Is there enough food for all of us to come and to eat at this table? Will all of us be able to come along on this journey? I want you to just tell somebody close to you today, everybody eats here. It's the title of my message today because after we start evaluating, is there enough room and is there enough food, we start evaluating what qualifies us to be enough. Am I enough to get in this elevator? Am I enough to eat at the table? We start qualifying who If we're going to run out of space in the elevator, who gets to ride along? If we're going to run out of food at the table, who gets to eat? And we start creating these rules that we live our social life by about who is valuable enough to get to go into the elevator and who has the most important thing or place that they're going that they deserve to ride and not have to wait for another one or who is hungry enough or who needs sustenance enough that they get to come to the front of the line. Who is enough And I think Mark includes a story here in his account of the life of Jesus and he tells us about when Levi, one of the disciples, gets called and he's telling us something about who's enough. I believe part of what Mark wants us to hear is that everybody gets to eat at this table. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are living and active and moving among us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me speak today what you have spoken to me. Let it change us, let, us, let it form us, and let it make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can, turn with me to Mark 2 or scroll with me or you can just look on the screen if you don't have any of that. Like I said, we are continuing in Mark 2. Last week, we started right at the beginning of Mark chapter two. Today, we're gonna jump a little bit farther. What is going on here is that Mark has just told us about this man who was healed not only in his body but healed in his soul and how Jesus is demonstrating that he has the power to heal people physically which is evidence to us that he has the power to heal people in their souls, to free them from the captivity of their sin. And Mark comes right out of this and also wants to tell us this story about when Levi came to be one of the disciples. It starts in 2 and 13. It says, And he went out again beside the sea. All the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Levi rises immediately and starts following Jesus. And then as he reclined at the table in his house, as Jesus reclined at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Why does the calling of Levi matter? Why is it even part of what Mark wants to tell us about? The calling of all 12 of the disciples is not laid out for us. He doesn't recount to us how each and every one comes to be a follower of Jesus. We hear some of their stories and then all of the sudden we just know that they are all there close to Jesus. And so why is it when Mark is accounting to us that Levi has been called, that he wants us to know that Levi is is someone that Jesus went to and said, you are coming along with me. Why was Levi sitting by him? Himself at a tax booth? Why was Levi still sitting? Why had no one else gone to get Levi? If you were on the church family update a couple weeks ago, you know that we talked about something that Mark doesn't tell us, but that John tells us about the calling of some of the disciples. That The disciples were called to Jesus, but before they went and continued following him, they went to get someone else. Andrew was called, and when Andrew was called and found Jesus, Andrew turned and went to get Peter and brought Peter along with him. And then when Philip was called, Philip was called to Jesus and said, I found him, but before Philip followed him, he turned and he went to get Nathanael and tell Nathaniel, I found the one we've been waiting for, come and follow him also. Why is it that no one went to get Levi? Why is it that Levi seemed outside of who they thought could be called to be with Jesus? Is it that Levi was outside of who they thought was redeemable by this Christ that they had found? Is it that they didn't really want Levi? to be called by Jesus. They didn't really want him to be part of the crowd that was hanging with Jesus. They didn't really want to have to sit at a table with Levi. Okay, let's back up a little bit. Why would they not want Levi to be called? Levi was a tax collector. Now I need to unpack this for you a little bit because I don't want you to get the idea that like, he works for the IRS and he's a little bit inconvenient in your life because you have to copy your receipts. That is not who Levi is. Levi is not like a pencil pusher, cross the T's, dot the I's kind of guy. That's not the tax collector that Levi... Levi is more like a good old-fashioned street gangster. Levi has been hustling his whole life. And Levi said, I'm going to go after... The streets didn't really choose Levi. Levi chose the streets. He saw, when he was about 13 years old, he saw a Roman guard walking around with some shiny gold plate, and he was like, that's what I want. How do I go after that life, and who do I have to push down to get after it? Levi is a tax collector, so this is what's happening in the situation, is that the Jews are under Roman occupation, and as part of their Roman ocupra- occupation, they are under oppressive taxes from the Roman government who are coming to retreat their taxes but the Romans found out something that when they sent their people in the Romans to get the taxes it created a bit of a rift because they're not really speaking the same language so instead they decided to hire these middlemen and they hired Jews to come basically out of their Jewish community and work on behalf of the Roman government to go and extract the taxes from their own people Levi has turned his back on his own people now the Romans knew that the Jews aren't going to take too kindly to whoever these fools are who come out of their people to come extract the taxes so to take the sting off of that whole situation for them a little bit they said also we don't really mind if you create some additional taxes that you can pocket for yourself and and make yourself feel better so Levi has built his wealth and has built his life on getting the Romans their money and making sure he gets himself a piece of the pie as well He is not liked in his neighborhood. He is not actually even welcome in the temple anymore. He is not welcome at your table when you go to celebrate Shabbat. He is not welcome to come and hang out at your kids' birthday parties. He is not allowed. He has actually most likely been completely shunned and disconnected from his family. It's why it's so important that when Jesus calls him, he calls his father's name out as well and says, "You still belong to a family, Levi, even though you betrayed them, and even though you turned your back on them, and even though they don't want to see you anymore. You are still part of that family." And I. see you and I know you and I know where you came from so come back to this place Jesus sees him and all of that but the disciples don't see any of that the disciples see the guy who has been stealing from them The disciples see the guy who has been hustling them. The disciples see the guy who has been leaning on them and taking food off of their kids' tables and causing their businesses to fail and making sure that they never had enough to really mend their boats in the way they needed to, all so he could go sit in his fancy house. When the disciples look at Levi, they don't look at somebody that they want to be able to come along and for Jesus to save. See, when Andrew went to get Peter, he said, look, Jesus, Peter's a little bit rough around the edges, okay? I know talks too much and he gets himself in trouble sometimes he's got this little anger problem but he's all right if he walks with you for a little bit he's gonna be okay i think that he he's rough but he's rough in the kind of way that I'd like to see you save him, Jesus. And Philip went to get Nathaniel, and he said, Nathaniel's a little bit skeptical, okay? He's got some questions, and he's always gonna wanna know what's going on, and he's a little bit critical of everybody. but Jesus, I think, I think that he's a little bit skeptical in the kind of way that you should probably save him, but when Jesus called Levi, you have to see Jesus, the disciples walking behind him. You have to hear the groan and the grumbling as Jesus pauses in the street and says, Levi, I want you to come follow me. Can you hear their, mm, can you hear their discontent? Can you hear their unsettledness? Can you hear their, not that one, Jesus. Not that, Jesus, I want you to save, well, most people. And who is it that you want Jesus to save and who is it that to be honest you would rather his grace not extend to? Who is it that feels outside of the circle for you? Because everybody eats at this table. So who is it that has hurt you? Or who is it that has harmed you? Or who is it that makes you uncomfortable and makes you unsettled and you would rather not? for Jesus to call them. Who is it that seems too far? Who is it that you don't want to have to explain to other people why you attend the same church as somebody like that? Or you don't want to have to explain to other people why you sit down at a life group table and eat with somebody like that? Who is it that you don't really want to have to go home and explain to your family and your friends why Levi is now part of my hanging group because I couldn't do anything about it and Jesus just called him? Who is it that you don't want to have to explain? Levi is the person that they don't want to have to explain Explain to other people why he gets to come and eat at this table who do you not want to have to explain who do you feel like just isn't quite enough to qualify for a seat at the table See, the reason that many people think that Mark layered the story about the paralytic and the story about Levi being called boom, boom, right back to back to each other is to make this point. The paralytic was harmed in a way that he couldn't really do anything about himself. He was on the outskirts of society still. He wasn't allowed at all of the great functions. He couldn't get himself to all of the places, but it was because you know, he was a victim of the situation. We don't know how he became paralyzed, but either way, this isn't really something that he did to himself. It's a reason to have pity on him. It's a reason to feel bad for him. It's a reason to send alms in his way and feel good about how you went out and reached out to the paralytic this weekend and made sure that he had a meal. But Levi, That's right. Levi did this to himself. Levi was a good Jewish boy raised in a good Jewish home who said, I don't really want this, I want that and chose to step out of the of the of the place that he had known and chose to step out of the people who were called by God and chose to step outside of it and go after something else he ran after wealth he ran after power he ran after being admired by the roman government and used by them at the sake of forsaking his own people levi did this all to himself and that's like us sometimes we're like well i feel bad for the paralytic i feel bad for the way that life has hurt them." I feel bad for the way that they were raised in poverty. I feel bad for the way that they didn't have access to things that they needed. I feel bad for the way that that disease has gotten them. But then we see somebody else and we're like, but if they would have made better choices, they wouldn't have ended up like that. So they're just living out the consequences of their life. And Jesus said, that's actually not my grace. That's actually not my way. That's actually not my qualifier my qualifier is that everybody eats at this table and he calls levi unto himself and if that's not enough for jesus then he makes it worse for everybody else and he goes to levi's house and he sits at his table and he eats with him and all of his other friends. And Levi has been kicked out of his community. So the only people he has to make friends with are other tax collectors and other sinners. Other people who have been disqualified from the common, comfortable, social circles of the moment. And Jesus sits down, reclines at the table, and shares with them this intimate experience of eating and sharing a meal with them and says, everybody gets to eat at my table. When I called Levi, I called him knowing everything that he had been been part of and everything that he had done and when I called him I wanted not just to call him along and send him on I wanted to call him along and say come sit with me and meal with me and eat with me come to this table and let's come sit and learn about each other and talk to each other and find out what your story is and find out what makes your heart break and let me speak into you and you know what is? He, it gets scandalous on scandalous on like he the, the, the disciples are like Jesus you went and called him and now we have to eat here with, with, with him. And you know what Jesus never does in the whole story to Levi that we have account of? He never tells him to repent of his sins, he never tells him to go and pay all of those people back, he never tells him that he's wicked and awful and should be ashamed of the way that he is living his life. It's absolutely scandalous. Now the result of Levi's life of being close to Jesus, the result of being in intimate relationship with Jesus, the result of the outpouring, extravagant, lavish love of Jesus is that Levi does begin to walk with him and does begin to live a holy life, but that is not what Jesus leads with. He leads with a table and says, everybody gets to come and eat here. Sit and eat at the table. Sit and eat a meal with me. Sit and share in this love. Sit and share in this connection. Sit and be part of some. You belong here. For all of Levi's adult life, everyone has been telling him, You don't belong here. He doesn't really belong with the Romans, even though they're who pay him and give him power and authority, but they're not who he's of. But he doesn't really belong with the people that he's of either because he's betrayed them and removed himself from that society and is the one who exhorts all of these taxes on them. So he doesn't really. And everywhere that he goes, they're just basically telling him, You don't belong here. Go somewhere else, Levi. And Jesus comes to him and he says, You belong here. This is where you belong. And no doubt the Pharisees have something to say about this, because there are the Pharisees watching this whole scene take place. Have you ever thought about like where are they? Are they just standing around the sides of the room watching Jesus have this meal with somebody, or are they like gawking in the window? Like, have you really like where? What are they doing? How are they just observing? Are, is this a party that they were invited to, but there wasn't, like they weren't invited to a seat? They're just standing there walking, w- gawking, and watching Jesus have this meal with Levi. And I think the thing that's interesting to me about the Pharisees all throughout scripture is that they're, they're always following Jesus, but they're not really following Jesus. You know what I mean? Like they're always there. Everywhere he goes, there they are too. But there's something about what he was here to do that never really got in them. It's a dangerous place to always be following Jesus and not really following Jesus. It's a dangerous place to show up to volunteer opportunities whenever they open, but not really get the love of Jesus and love for people on the inside of you. It's a dangerous place to show up to a service every time the doors are open because you think it's what qualifies you, but never really get the spirit of worship, never really get the feeling of why he came, never really get a heart and a hunger for your city. The Pharisees are just there all the time. And this time, they don't think to themselves. They've learned the lesson that that is futile and that Jesus can hear what they're thinking, so they just ask out loud. Why is he always sitting with these sinners and these tax collectors? Why is he always eating with these people that nobody should be eating with? Jesus tells them, I didn't come. For people who are healthy. I came for people who need a physician. He said, I came so that those who are sick could find health and healing and wholeness inside of me. This becomes a statement that is repeated and recorded in all kinds of historic documents that tell us about Jesus because this is so core to why he. Came. So they were waiting for Jesus to come, but they thought he was going to come to those who were enough, those who qualified to sit at the table, those who qualified to gain entry. And Jesus said, I didn't come for all of them. I came for those who were sick. I came for those who were hurting. I came for those who were vulnerable and who were on the outside and the outskirts, those who had been discarded. Those are who I came for. And we are a church that exists for those who are hurting, for those who have found themselves on the outskirts, for those who find themselves vulnerable, for those who find themselves not belonging in any place because they say, I don't really belong to this group, but I've kind of gotten myself kicked out of this group. This is who Jesus sent us for. This is why we exist, to show up and say, this here is not here for those who are healthy. This here is like a great big hospital where we say, let us introduce you to the divine physician who knows just what you need, who can look into your individual situation. If you are hurting today, this is the place he wants you to be. If you feel vulnerable today, this is the place he has called you to. If you have made some terrible decisions in your life that have gotten you kicked out of the places that you used to call home, this is the place he has called you. This is the place that he wants you. This is the place for the sick. This is the place for the hurting. This is the place for the broken. This is the place for those who others say you don't get to eat here because this is a table where everybody gets to eat and we come in here not showing how healthy we are not showing how whole we are not showing how well we qualify not showing all of the things we come in here saying Jesus I'm broken and Jesus I'm hurting and Jesus I'm aching on the inside and Jesus I need you and I heard that there was someone in town who could do something about it we are called to be a place for the broken and for the hurting. And every single week, we show up. Sometimes we show up for a well check and you just need to come in and say, I just need to make sure everything's still working right. I think I feel okay, but if you could just check my temperature, that would be awesome. And sometimes you show up and it's an urgent care. You're like, ah, this week it has been bad. It has been crazy out there and this it's open right here. This is an open wound and I need somebody to wrap that up. And sometimes you come in and you need surgery. You need a surgeon that can cut deep and say we have to dig this thing all the way out of your heart and your soul and your mind because it's gotten all the way on the inside of you and sometimes you come in and you need a birthing suite and you say god i'm carrying something and i need i know that you're speaking it to me and i need some intercessors to help me push this thing this is a hospital not because we're awesome We're broken, hurting sinners who have hurt and betrayed others just like anybody because when we come here, we say there is a divine physician and everybody gets to eat at this table. And this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. It's not just those who are a little bit rough around the edges. It's not just those who you kind of wish would would get it a little bit more to get. No, it's the people that you don't want to be associated with. It's the people that you don't wanna to have to explain why you know them. It's the people that you think are too far gone. Who are those people? I could supply you with examples, but what's better is that group that just popped in your brain, that people that you just said, Lord, not them though them too. Everybody gets to eat at this table, and this is what Jesus keeps showing them over and over again. He comes and sits at the table with Levi, and he says, everybody gets to eat at this table, and time and time again throughout the scripture, he keeps sitting down at tables, and he keeps eating and feeding people that other people have rejected. He sits down with more tax collectors, and he sits down with prostitutes, and he sits down with the broken, and he sits down with the lepers, and he says everybody gets to eat at this table. But it gets even worse than that. By the time you get to the end of Mark, If you turn to Mark 14, I'm almost done. Mark 14 and 17. Jesus has been walking with his crew for a while now. They've entered Jerusalem, and he's preparing to go and lay down his life for all of us. And he gathers them together for this meal, as has become his custom, as is his way, this divine place of worship a table where things are exchanged, a table that equalizes and reminds all of us that we have need of something outside ourselves. He sits once again at a table with his disciples to prepare for them a Passover meal. And in Mark 14, verse 17, it says, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will t- betray me. Catch this. The one who is eating with me. Everybody gets to eat at this table. Jesus walks to this moment where he says, even from this table, even from this group that I have poured into, even of those who should know better and who ought to know better, there is someone who is going to betray me, but you still get to eat at this table. He still prepared a table for who infamously would be known as the Judas The one who went and turned Jesus over and betrayed him in the most horrific of ways. Jesus prepared this table, not just for Judas, for Peter who would deny him, and James and John who wouldn't stand up and pray with him, and tarry for Thomas who would doubt him when he resurrected, for all the others who would scatter and fear and hide from him. He sat and he said, I know that you're going to walk away from me. I know that you're gonna hurt me. I know that you're gonna harm me, but still, everybody eats at this table. And so, if you are here and you're wondering, do I qualify? If you are here and you're wondering, am I enough? If you're here and you feel like I've made some decisions that have pushed me outside of the space, even Judas got to eat at the table. There is a seat for you at the table. Whatever you're dealing with, there is a seat for you at the table. Whatever you're questioning, Whatever you're doubting, there is a seat for you at the table. Whatever you have walked through, whatever has harmed you, whoever you have harmed, there is a seat for you at his table. Everybody gets to eat at this table. A while back, I we went to this um, restaurant. This one of those like real fancy restaurants, you know? We don't do it very often. And it was one of those restaurants where you have to wear certain clothing when you go in and they have like a dress code and certain requirements for entry, or at least it had been. And we hadn't been there in a couple years because COVID. And so we go to this restaurant and I'm looking around and I'm like, there are people in jeans in here. There are people in shorts in here. And I'm like, what? Like they just let everybody in here these days. What is going on? in here you know like I don't go very often I'm like I got dressed up to come here and I want to pretend like this is my normal style of living And I was talking to the hostess and they said, oh yeah, we've made, we've made a bunch of changes over the last couple of years because COVID kept a lot of people away from restaurants. And so we, we realized we needed to make some adjustments in the way. So we changed the requirements for entry. And now you don't have to wear a jacket anymore and you don't have to wear a tie anymore and you don't have to wear closed toed shoes anymore. We've, we've changed the requirements and now that way more people can come in because we wanted to, what, what we realized we really cared about was making sure that more people were able to come and the quality of the food is still the same and the quality of the service is still the same but the requirement for entry has been lowered when jesus came what the pharisees didn't quite grasp yet was he came to change the requirement for entry Because he said, I want everybody who will believe in me. And the quality of the food at the table is the same. And the quality of the service when you come into his presence is the same. But the requirement for entry, he opened it up. And he said, I want everybody to come and to eat at this table. I want everybody to have a seat at my table. I want everybody, regardless of what family line they grew up in and regardless of the days that they have walked through, I want everybody to come and sit at this table. And so if you're in this room today and you felt like you weren't enough, and you felt like you didn't have the right jacket and you didn't have a tie or or a pretty dress to wear to be welcomed in, I hope you gather that those are images of things that are more internal in our lives. You felt like you weren't enough. I want you to hear today. I'm getting ready to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and to come and sit at his table because he has opened up the requirements and said, I want everybody to come and to have a seat at this table so if that's you I'm gonna count to three and when I get to three I just want you to shoot your hand straight in the air so we can pray with you today so that we can celebrate with you that you are taking a seat one your seat is already here it's just waiting for you two Jesus has prepared a meal for every single person three today is your day get your hands straight in the air come on and let's celebrate those who i see you love right down here let's celebrate those who are making a decision for jesus come on yes i'm celebrating with you Experience hosts are coming to pray with you now i'm gonna lead you in a prayer we're all gonna pray this together as we prepare to continue in worship say heavenly father i come to you in jesus name Not because I'm awesome, but because you are awesome. So today, I let go of a life ruled by me, and I take hold of a life ruled by you. I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate.